Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This morning, I just want to talk to you. There is a service that has been provided to the people of the United States since 1775. We all enjoy it at a very reasonable price, a price that everybody can afford. You know, it's kind of like co-ops. Co-ops are normally founded to provide a service for people and solve a particular problem. And it's normally done at a price that people can afford. So this is what co-ops are all about. And this service has been around since before we had a constitution, before there was a United States. And it's the postal service. United States Postal Service have been around and providing service to all Americans at a reasonable price so that people could send out their mail, their packages. It sort of falls under the mission of USPS. It's under this universal service obligation intended to ensure that all citizens, all businesses in the United States, receive a minimum level of postal service at a reasonable price. It doesn't make any difference how much money you have. And as we've already stated on this program, have been stated about the differences of the huge gap in wealth in the United States, where 47% of Americans could not afford to handle an emergency if an emergency only cost $400. So we want to make sure that everybody can send messages, send letters, pay their bills, receive letters, receive packages at a reasonable price, a price that every American can afford. That's the U.S. Postal Service. And our first president, George Washington, was the first postmaster general. Going back to 1775, before our Constitution was even formed in 1789. Whoa. First Postmaster General George Washington. To provide a service for everybody. as a social mission. Everybody. U.S. Postal Service. You know, this is also in the Constitution. It goes all the way back. So, here we have the U.S. Postal Service is under attack. It's under attack, and it's sort of like played as a ping pong back and forth, depending on who's in power. Who's in the White House, who's running the Senate, or who is running the House. The Postal Service. What would it be like to be working in a company, and oh, 650,000 employees of the United States Postal Service, 
about 500,000 are in unions. And they've created some good-paying jobs with good benefits. A lot of black and brown folks in the Postal Service. The U.S. Postal Service hires more women than any other organization in the United States, any other business in the United States. So it's got this massive workforce providing service to every American. It's talking about even providing service to the last mile, going to these rural areas, providing these services, delivering the mail, and, you know, it's snow, sleet, rain, sunshine. It doesn't make any difference about the weather. They have a reputation of delivering that mail, and it has been well-earned throughout the years. It is for the good of the country that we have this postal service. And as you know, as of late, it's come under attack by the person in the White House, who happens to be our president. And that's hard for me to say, but he's our president. He was elected. It's been clear he got help from the Russians. It's come out recently. He's asking for help from the Chinese to try to get into winter 2020. So he doesn't play fair. I don't think he even knows how to play fair if you look at his business record. Read his book, The Art of the Deal. Make Say anything you want to say, then do whatever you want to say, no matter what you've said. No integrity. No values. And he wants to take over the post office and put it in private hands. Put it in private hands. So when did this post office start? How did this thing start? You know, we said the post office has been around since 1775. But when you start looking at when mail was first delivered or how packages were first done, it goes back a long way past that. It happened, oh, the start of writing started in Mesopotamia at least 9,500 years ago. And then they used clay tokens. And it might have been the reason that writing was invented in the first place. On these tokens, they were written on these tokens lines that talked about the quantities of goods. And then the uh, carrier, if you like the Pony Express guy, might have been on a camel, might have been walking. And he would take this to a seller and get so many bushels of grain or jars of olive oil. And the seller would send a token back with the goods to the buyer. So it's kind of like a bill of lading and this sort of sending messages. But it was all about commerce. Commerce. Okay, so this was in about 3,500 B.C., they started wrapping these clay tokens in thin sheets of clay that were baked, okay, so that the seller could would make sure that the correct amount of goods would get to the buyer. And then these clay tokens were taken away with a tablet, and then writing really took off. So you have this reason for the postal service 9,500 years ago was all about business and exchange of goods. And again, it might have been why writing was created. 
might have been, to tell a seller, here's how much I want to buy from you. Please send this over. And then throughout the years, you get couriers by the state which would transfer messages. This occurred in Egypt about 2400 B.C., about 4,400 years ago. Pharaoh used these carriers to send decrees throughout the territory. Okay, and then he would also use these carriers uh, to collect taxes, keep up on areas that were far from his empire, and this was just happening with, again, trade. A lot of it had to do with trade and send messages out, collecting money, transferring goods. And then the, and they replaced this tin way of encapturing these tokens and so forth, and they got the envelopes were created to protect the messages from anybody that they didn't want to see the message. These first envelopes were made out of cloth or animal skins or vegetable parts. And then the paper envelopes were developed in China. This is a worldwide piece now, this whole development of this postal service in the second century B.C. Paper envelopes were used to store money as gifts. I don't. All of this different way that paper money was created. Then it comes in in about 1653. This is after Christ. The Frenchman created a postal service in Paris, Jean-Jacques Renaud de Villiers. He put up uh, like these postal mailboxes, and people would put bodies, postal stamps and stuff from him, prepaid envelopes that he sold. It fell because somebody put mice in, the, in, in those um, mailboxes. And then somebody from England in the early 1800s created a stamp, a adhesive stamp, and he was knighted for that. So you got this development of the postal system all over the world. So the U.S. Postal Service is an independent agency of the U.S. federal government. And like I said, it was been around since 1775. It's expi explicitly authorized in the U.S. Constitution with good old Ben, Benjamin Franklin, appointed as the first postmaster general. And then it's commerce again. This commerce happens with a first mail order catalog in 1872 by Aaron Montgomery Ward. He was selling goods primary, primarily to rural farmers. This whole idea of the post office going to the last mile, being distributed for all Americans at a fair price, regardless of how much money they had or didn't have, and then sending out services, both mail services, and now this one sheet of paper was the first mail order catalog. He started this, Ward started this business in Chicago with $2,400. And this first catalog was one piece of paper that had prices showing the merchandise that was on for sale. And then he went into uh, illustrated books and then the retail stores. 
and then after that in 2004, they started email, e-commerce business. Get this history of the U.S. Postal Service. Started about 9,500 years ago around commerce, the French involved, the English involved, always creating and enhancing. The Chinese created the first paper envelope. All around the world trying to figure out how do you pass messages and everybody in the community has the right to pass these messages, have the ability to pass these messages, and why the U.S. Postal Service was invented in the first place. Also reaching out to the far corners of our world into these rural spaces. And then Mr. Montgomery, Aaron Montgomery Ward, created the catalog, the first catalog book, which was a one-pager. He wanted to make sure that rural America could buy what they needed to buy because they could not necessarily go into town. And that reminds me, my grandmother used to say, we're able to leave and come back in the same day. And I was thinking what that was like when she was a kid. She never, never explained that to me, but I gathered that perhaps when she was growing up, you'd leave, go into town, you had to stay over and then come back the next day. <laughs> you could go downtown and come back in the same day. So we got this distance thing, reaching all of rural America, rural farmers, getting the message out, and also having postal service where they could send messages back or send messages to the town or to other rural areas. Benjamin Franklin, the first postmaster general in 1775, this is what happened in the United States with this postal service. It's sort of a social system. The United States government collects the taxes, and we'll be right back. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. Co-ops are, you know, really created to solve community problems. A group of people get together. They learn how to work together. They create a business. They figure out how to get training. That's the fifth principle of cooperation. They get the training to learn how to make decisions together to f solve whatever problem that they're trying to solve. And you get, in particular, you get that most co-ops, Lisa said this way, that 90% of co-ops that are formed are still in existence after five years. Because it takes some time to get start one up because of the training that has to happen. And too often, getting the money needed to start the business is not readily available. So you find that co-ops are created to help the community by community people. That's what the post office was all about. It's created to help the community. If you have it that politicians are a group of people that come together that solve community problems, wow, wouldn't that be interesting? If that's the, if that's the reason for being a politician 
And the reason that politicians come together to solve community problems, then it would be just like starting a co-op. Unfortunately, that part of solving community problems with the policies, somehow that gets lost in the day's politics. It's like, what's best for this party or best for that party, and not necessarily what's best for the community, United States government, the masses of the people, for the people, by the people. That seems to get lost, but this is where co-ops are very, very similar to what the U.S. government is about and what the, what the U.S. Postal Service is all about. group of people coming together to solve a particular problem. The post office was brought about. The folks back in 1700s came together and said, hey, we need to make sure that messages can be sent by all Americans, no matter where they are, no matter how far out they are from the community centers, the hubs of the centers, and normally those would be farmers. Also, it could be they were in a gold mining camp in California. But how to get the mail to every American at a reasonable price, a price that the majority of Americans can't afford, if not all, how do you get this mail. So it's this business for the everyday American, for the masses of the people, why it was created, why it was put in the Constitution. Very, very similar to what co-ops are all about. You take the rural electric co-ops. FDR in the 1930s collected taxes as governments do, and they put some money aside for starting these companies that capitalists wouldn't do. They would put the poles up and string the wires in the city, in urban areas, because they could get a return on their investment that they that they wanted. I don't blame capitalists. Sometimes it sounds like I do if you listen to this program long enough. We've been on the air for six and a half years, but I also like capitalism. Why I went to get an MBA, why I have net worth today because it was a capitalist system. It has its benefits, but it also has its problems. At the center of the problem of capitalism is greed. And too often, people with money are power hungry. They're greedy, power hungry people. That's the problem with capitalism. Capitalism by itself and the pure form of capitalism alike. And if you listen to last week's program with Rebecca Henderson, a Harvard professor, she talks about that extremely well and even gave me hope that there's <laughs> hope for capitalism in the United States. But you got the postal service. How do you have it that every American can send mail, receive mail? Very similar to what co-ops are all about, solving some community problems. Why I like co-ops, particularly for marginalized communities because marginalized communities have problems. Too often the politicians won't address those problems so everyday people can solve them. With the problem of electricity in rural areas in the 1930s and 40s, the government stepped in and provided money to start these businesses and there's about 900 of them now that can the rural electric 
cooperatives, and they have strong wires that covers about 60% of the land mass of the United States. So 60% of the land mass of the United States electricity is run by people-owned businesses. And they touch on about 80% of the counties in the United States. They have a wide range, people-owned businesses that provide electricity. So why would the U.S., why would somebody want to destroy the fabric of United States Postal Service? Well, one of the reasons that's cited is it's been losing money. Okay, it's been losing money <laughs> providing the service. The question is, is there a way of it making money? If you restructure, how could you restructure so it could make money and not put it in the hands of a capitalist? He said, uh, Mr. Trump wants to privatize it. His solution is put it in the hands of a capitalist. And we know that most capitalists are trying to figure out what's their greatest rate of return. How can whatever money they put in it, how do they get the biggest return off of their investment? So that would normally mean you'll cut out services to what is called the last mile. You'll cut out services to these rural areas because it costs money to have a post office and employees in these small communities, and you don't have enough volume to cover the cost in these areas. So you cut them out. Then you look at the product line with all of the different mail the cost of all of these different mail services, sending packages, and you either do one or two things. You cut out those things that are losing money or you raise prices on them. And that's the other choice in, in rural America, too, would be raising prices. Maybe you send something to the farms in, you know, think about California, but California, Texas, New Jersey, wherever the farms might be that might be in rural that's not close to a major hub, you raise the prices on sending a letter there or, or collecting their mail. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Everything Co-op. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank. NCB has been a great partner for six and a half years. Chuck Snyder and, and people at the bank really provide services. They were created in the 1980s to provide services, uh, financial services for the co-op community and its members, and particularly low-income communities. So it's been helping marginalized communities since its inception, and they do a great job of it. They help to spin off Capital Impact Partners, which goes around the U.S. and help provide financial services. It's a CDFI. So we really like thanking them. They have also been very, very helpful uh, to the program and giving us advice and ideas on what are the kinds of things that that we can do and who are the people out there in the cooperative world that are helping communities getting things done, providing services at a reasonable price. 
And it turns out that there are four types of co-ops. There are four co-op sectors. And that, that first sector is, if it's if the business is owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative, and therefore you can have any co-op you can think of could be a worker cooperative. If it's owned and controlled by the people that uses the products and services, then it is a consumer cooperative. Housing co-ops are consumer cooperatives. Credit unions are consumer cooperatives. There is a health clinic in Madison, Wisconsin that's owned by the patients, so they create policies that are good for the patients. And um, the next one is purchasing co-ops. Normally, a lot of farmers have been have been using these starting of the century, 1900s, where a group of farmers would get together and they would create a business that would buy the kinds of things that they would need, uh, seed, fertilizers, gas, equipment that they might need and they might share. Artists are beginning to use these, providing housing for artists, providing a space for artists to show their share their goods. And then you have marketing co-ops on the other end, and sometimes they're called producer co-ops. So these are farmers, again, produce them that they create a business to sell or market their products. So then the farmer's job is you know, they buy from the purchasing co-op that they own a portion of. They get good products for a reasonable price. They then produce whatever they're producing, vegetables, chickens, beef, whatever they're producing, milk. And then they sell it to a company that they own in terms of a marketing co-op. So they, the, the farmer doesn't have to do all of this work. They have people working for them to find the best seed that they can find at the best price and then sell the products to markets that they couldn't sell. And these marketing co-ops are things, Cabot Creamery, Organic Valley, Ocean Spray, uh, Sunkiss. They're these different companies. Too often, I didn't even know that they were co-ops, owned mostly by the farmers. And they, in there, you have food co-ops. Food co-ops, uh, they could be owned by the employees, the worker co-op, or they could be owned by the consumer. And you have both. And sometimes you, they're hybrids. A certain percentage of the business is owned by the employees and a certain percentage owned by the consumer. So in this co-op world, it's very similar to this United States Postal Service. It's, they're created to solve some community problem for the farmers is how they can buy the best seed or sell their their products, reduce their risk. The co-op is how you can cr- send mail to all parts of the U.S. at a price that all Americans can afford. Very, very simple reasoning that different uh, governments want to tamper with. So, they say it's losing money, and I have it that if the U.S. government from 1775 has said we want to provide this service, I don't see how it loses money because the U.S. government collects taxes. And if this is providing us services for all Americans so that all Americans can communicate, then that seems to be its function in order to stay, continue to be its function. Okay, but you said, okay, it's losing more money than it used to lose because of the Internet. Because the Internet now, people can send things through the Internet that they used to pay 
a 50 cent stamp for, they can send it to the internet at no cost. They can send their invoices. They can even tell their, they, they don't have to send a check out because they can now tell their bank to pay the bill to this company. So it reduces the volume. So does that mean you ought to change the structure of it or can you find a different way of doing it? Or it might there be some increase in the cost of stamps that still most Americans can afford as opposed to raising it significantly for those rural areas or eliminating the service to them. Or ought it be a way of solving this potential problem, and I say potential in that, the reason that the post office was created so every American would have the ability to communicate at a price that they could afford, just like every co-op. So what we'd like to do, a group of us have been working, a group of cooperators have been working to see how we can save the Postal Service. The Postal Service is in need of a cash infusion right now. Part of it is brought on because of the Internet and the loss of volume. There's been some conversation that part of this is brought on by the Congress passing a law that said the post office had to fund its pensions for 75 years. There's been a lot of debate about that law. The year before that law was passed, the Postal Service had a positive showing. So it made money the year before this law was passed, and after this law was passed, they've been losing money. So the question becomes for me, and a lot of people, is is this a legitimate law that you fund pensions for people that haven't even been born yet for 75 years? If somebody was born today, they get a job in the Postal Service when they are 21, they work for 40 years, they're 61, okay, they're not even 75 years in it now. It seems to be a little bit much, and I'd like to see more research on what's the normal amount of years that somebody funds a pension plan. What does IBM, how do they fund their pension plan or Ford Motor Company? Do they fund them for 75 years? The Japanese have a huge pension plan, $1.7 trillion. How many years are they funding that for the people that are working or have worked? I have a sense that Social Security has not been funded that much. <laughs> Maybe it's five years. They're always talking about it going broke. So first, is that a legitimate law? But right now, we don't, we don't have time to argue that particular case and do the research, and maybe somebody's not done the research, and I would love to see it. And I'll look to see if anybody's done it or see if somebody out there will do that research to say what should the funding be for the U.S. Postal Service. And if it's 40 years and not 75 years, then they could probably take some of that money they have funded for pension funds and put it back in, and they would not even need the $10 billion that have been set aside in the First CARES Act. So we're going to send out a letter to cooperators to support and get behind. And we hopefully we'll have that out by next week in a way that people can sign on to this letter. And we would like all of you cooperators out there to sign on to this. And if you want more information, you can send us an email at mail, M-A-I-L, at USPS.COOP. If you like more information, you can send us an 
email at mail, M-A-I-L, at USPS dot C-O-O-P. So we're trying to save the postal services, and we want the administration to release this $10 billion of emergency borrowing authority. The Congress has already approved it, and the president has not signed it. So can we get a million or two of you all out there that are cooperators to sign this or get the organizations that you belong to support this? And everybody that we have talked to is for it in the co-op world. So we're just working out the logistics, and we'll get this out to the co-op world. And friends of co-ops will have a place for you to sign up to. We want to get the message out with millions of people to tell the administration. Maybe President Trump will sign it if he sees that millions of people are behind saving the U.S. Postal Service as it exists today and then get people to study it to see how we can still provide service to the last mile to these rural areas, to these cooperative businesses in these rural areas, to the farms. Remember, that's why Montgomery Ward sent out his catalog in the first place. How do you get the, biz- the information out to these areas? So you can send us, if you have any questions about it, you can send us information to mail at USPS, mail at United States Postal Service.coop, mail at USPS.coop. Okay, we want to get the message out. We'll be sending this out to people that we know in the co-op world so they can sign on to this. We're not asking you to do anything else. We're not asking you to send any money. We're not asking you to... Oh, call people. Well, we may want you to call your networks or to send it out, email it out to your networks and get people to sign it. And we'll get that out next week. Listen, we're going to take our last break. And we'll come back and talk to you more about the United States Postal Service, why it, why we need it, why every American needs it, why co-ops need it. Please don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. News Talk Station. Information is power. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative, and WOL makes a great partner. You know, we have it that if you have information, you have the access to power. You only get the power when you take the actions that the information gives you. Without the action, there is no power in information. Like you have a gallon of gasoline, you put it in your car. There's no power. It just sits there. It's not till you turn the, the key and the pistons start working and they start firing. <laughs> it takes that little light to match to light that gas to push those pistons down. Spark plugs provide the spark. Spark plugs. Provide the spark that ignites the gas that pushes the piston down that causes the car to move forward. That's when you get action. That's when you have power. We've never needed the post office more than we do today. We got this coronavirus going on. 
And it's, the, the Postal Service has been a lifeline to millions of Americans, particularly seniors and people living with disabilities. The post office brings those prescription medications and essential household needs, whether it could be food, it could be anything, but at meds, post office is providing that. Every household. So you got all of these seniors in households that want to live like me and in independently. Post office provides it. Now, the, the, the president is against Jeff Bezos and Amazon because they are able to send their merchandise through the post office. But I've been getting it. I'm very appreciative. Do we need to raise it? Maybe. I don't think this is the time to figure it out. We're in a pandemic. We got two, three pandemics going on. We got the coronavirus, we got climate change, and we got racism. It's no time to be talking about changing the post office right now and changing the service. President Trump signed the bill that's already been passed by Congress. And the House has put, a, put forth a second bill. Okay, the second bill calls for $25 million. Billion, I'm sorry, B, B. $25 billion in emergency appropriation. It eliminates the USPS's current debt. It's, it's called Take Responsibility for Workers and Families Act. Appropriately called. Take responsibility. Listen, government, take responsibility for workers and families, particularly in rural areas again. Why the Postal Service was created in the first place. Provide the money to save the post office and do it now. And we're asking co-ops, and we'll be sending out emails about this within the next week, to sign on to this letter to send to Congress and send to the, to the president. In this election year, the more people to sign on it, the more we can get their attention. Act now. President Trump signed the $10 billion bill in the first CARES Act. The Senate passed the Take Responsibility for Workers and Family Act that provides $25 billion. In this first PPE, they won't even tell us where they sent all of these billions of dollars, half of a trillion dollars. They won't tell us where they spent sent that, how much money did Trump get, how much money did Trump's friend. Those are already billionaires. How much money did they get? Here, this is something that helps the everyday American. It helps the, the, the businesses and families. It helps workers. Not only the workers out there that receive the Postal Service, but those 650,000 workers inside the U.S. Postal Service. A lot of them are black and brown people, a lot of women. Protect their jobs. Stop having them have hiccups. They're working long hours now. They're essential workers now. Treat them with some dignity and respect. Don't have them worried about their job. Will you fund this? Won't you fund this? President Trump is clear. It's clear to me that you really don't understand people and everyday people. I used to think you were just a, a, a racist and you were against disabled people and do anything you want to do to women. But now it looks like you're just against people, everyday people. I don't care about their race, their gender, their sex. You're just interested in the elite. You, your family, and those friends, the people you think can help you. Clear to me, you're going to take 19,000 people to Jacksonville, Florida, so you can have another photo op. You're going to hold back these $10 billion that the Congress has already approved that helps everyday people, everyday families, everyday businesses, particularly in rural America, cooperative business and capitalistic business. Sign the bill, President. 
people out there, please sign on to this. If you have comments or questions, send us an email at mail, M-A-I-L, at U-S-P-S dot C-O-O-P. We're in serious jeopardy of losing the USPS. We have to speak out. We have to tell the Congress and the President to fund the USPS. It must be a priority in the next stimulus package. Some argue there's, there, there needs to be improvements. and I, I, There's always need to be improvements. And as the world changes with the Internet, yes, there needs to be improvement. Now is not the time. Not with the pandemics. Three of them we're working with. So let's talk about it another day. This day, sign the bills. It's not the day to talk about organization issues or the rise rise the pack prices for package delivery services. Okay, so you say Jeff Bezos, you make a lot of money with Amazon and Prime, and therefore we want to raise the prices to you. I would suggest Jeff Bezos, would you raise it by one or two cents? Maybe on your own. You make a lot of money. Save the Postal Service. But this isn't a time for the U.S. government to get into that argument. Raising the prices could hurt everyday families. It hurt everyday businesses on Main Street. can hurt the consumer. We need those packages. I need those packages coming, both from Prime, from Amazon, from the, getting my meds. And listen, black, brown folk, Native Americans, I went on quarantine maybe a week I don't think two weeks before it became a national norm. I'm 72-year-old African-American with diabetes and hypertension. I knew it was going to affect our community, and it has. We have more deaths. We're easier to catch it when your immune system is down. So if you got anything that causes any pre-existing existence that causes your immune system to be down, Please, somebody told me I was paranoid, and I said, you're damn right. Excuse me out there. I am paranoid about this coronavirus, and you ought to be too. Look at how many people are dying. How many people are dying in the Afro-American community, in the Latina community, Latinx community, in Native American, the Navajos out there, because of racism and discrimination. At the root cause of most of that racism and communication is economics, money. They want to pay us less for the same job, even if slavery paying us zero. As close to zero as they could get. Provide us with little or no food or scraps from the table. And we figure out how we take those scraps with, with pig feet or chillings and make a delicacy out of it. We've taken scraps throughout our history in the U.S. and we make delicacies out of it. We create institutions like churches, pushing our pennies together, 10%, 5%, whatever we got. We put it together. We create the churches. We create the historically black colleges. Let's save the U.S. Postal Service. Let's come together. Let's save it. We'll be sending out information on how you can sign up. We're not asking you to send any money in. We want you to keep the little you've got. But we need to save the Postal Service for all Americans, regardless of how much money the American has or don't have. So they can get the services they need through this pandemic. They can get their meds. They can get their food. They can get their, their pieces, their, their pieces of things that we order through these different houses, whether that's Sears, 
or Amazon or anybody else. Please, let's save the U.S. Postal Service. Let's come together and save the Postal Service. Send us any messages through mail at usps.coop. So I love this co-op world. I love talking about co-ops. Co-ops has a way, has the ability, it has almost the obligation to figure out what this new norm will look like at the other end of the coronavirus. I'd like for all of you to join in on us in creating this new norm. Until next week, we'd ask you to live cooperatively and let's support each other. Your news talk station.